Hello and welcome to Back to Us. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that makes me a little bit salty and is one of, I think, the most harmful aspects of evangelicalism. Um, something that causes guilt, shame, perpetuates abuse, misogyny, and homophobia, among other things, and of course, victim blaming. Uh, it fractures our sense of self and our relationship with our own body. That's right. Today, we're talking about purity culture. Um, I think, too, it, we're not necessarily going to have super hot takes or fresh takes on it. I just think it bears repeating because it is something that's really harmful. So um, that's what we're going to be getting into today with our guest, Lena. Lena's back. Hey, Lena. Hey, how's it going? Stoked to be back. Yeah, no, it's going good. It's going good. Um, I remember the last time we talked, I think you had mentioned going to a purity rally, which I've always heard about and never had the displeasure of attending. So um, yeah, if you're good, I think I'd like to just get right into it. Can you take us back? Is it 2002, 2003? Where are we? Oh, it was it was before that for me, like right around 2000, 1998, 99, something like that. Wow. Um, I was pretty young when those things started. So I'd say somewhere in between like 14 and 17 for me was when I would go to these kinds of things. And how it would work is they would get a bunch of different youth groups to all go to like a rally together. And um, they would try to make it like real cool so they could like, you know, talk to us and, like on our level. Um, so they do skits and things like that. And they would all be about purity and like um, not having impure thoughts and how impure things damage you. And you can't really turn back from that, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, mm. uh, like once you do these things, like it's kind of over. And, it's over. Um, <laughs> you know, well, so I, and this kind of jumps forward a little bit, but when I did marriage counseling for my first marriage, um, the book that we looked at was talking about how if a wife has had sex before marriage, then her husband probably won't be able to forgive that. And it's really something that you need to talk about before you get married. Specifically the wife? Yes. <sighs> now, is this the Josh Harris book? The I, um, I Kiss Dating, Dating Goodbye? Goodbye? No, but that was very popular in my high school. Mm. This was like a marriage counseling thing. So I was super scared about, you know, confessing yeah. my previous sins. But the purity rallies were like, um, they were co-ed. Because a lot of these things, we, they would separate us, but they would be co-ed. And so they would talk a lot to us girls about like not doing anything that would turn on a man. And then they would talk about to the men, like, um, like getting accountability and making sure you have friends that you could talk to and just like staying away from the situations. Um, and it would almost always end with a, an altar call, some oh, kind of like, they a, always do. An altar oh, yes. And it would be like, if you've been having impure thought, if you've been dealing with any impurities, like if there's anything in your life that you really need to hand over to God in this area and, um, I'm not gonna lie I did not really like looking back I'm like I was the most sheltered like um non-sexual like awkward gawky like late bloomer of all time but I was like searching my soul hard because I was like there must be something I'm doing I must be doing something wrong or like maybe I can dress differently or stay away from me you know like trying to figure out what I was doing wrong because it's like you're kind of embarrassed to raise your hand, but then if you don't raise your hand, you feel like you're probably a liar. Hmm. Um, super confusing, <laughs> super damaging kind of. Yeah. I don't know. It was, they were bizarre. They don't have anything like that in your church. I feel like they're not in our church specifically. I mean, there were, I had heard of them, but I had never, I'd never actually gone. Um, I think they were mostly, I feel like they were American. So yes. when I was up here, we didn't really go. You know what? I realized I didn't even say what purity culture is. I'm assuming anybody listening to this knows, but I guess maybe just in case somebody doesn't, I should probably specify that purity culture is an evangelical notion based around the idea that we should uh, save our virginity for our future spouse uh, and God. God's always in there somewhere because God apparently cares uh, who we sleep with, but um 
what they would do is they would basically equate our worth with whether or not we were sexually active, which is super damaging. And women essentially were were reduced to items. Sure. Um, yeah, I remember being called stumbling block. Oh, yeah. Um, we were told that we had to watch what we would wear because we'd be causing our brothers to sin all of that. So it's it's super duper harmful. And I, I should say also, if anybody has decided on abstinence as something that they want to do, good on you. And that's something you want to pursue. No shade. Absolutely. What I what I take issue with is when they push that on everybody and especially making us feel like we've done something wrong when we haven't, like Lena was just describing. Um <laughs> is just super damaging and um it's bizarre as well just the the fascination that they have with like the the whole sexual side of things like they they talk about it like it's taboo but i found they really fixated on it in youth group it was just it was bizarre how much it was fixated on yeah and and boys and girls very differently it felt like like i was given the promise ring and just told like um basically you are like with this ring, you're basically saving yourself for marriage. And this ring means that you are gods and dads. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, it's supposed to be a sweet thing. Um, and then gods and dads, purity. Ring. Yeah. Gods, dads. Um, something that has stuck with me for a long time too, though, is one of my first boyfriends one time came to me sobbing and he told me that he needed to confess that he had essentially cheated on me. And he told me that when he was little, like five or six, he kissed a girl. And then like during his earlier teen years, he had, um, he, he called it a porn addiction, which I have no idea if that meant he just looked at porn like from time to time, or if Probably. it was like, that's, <laughs> I, I do think that that's what it was. And he was like, I haven't done it in years. And, um, I'll never do it again. But he was like crying his eyes out. He was like 17. And he, oh my God. He was, yeah. And he was just like, I have an accountability partner and I, I don't do it. But before I met you, I cheated on you in this way. And when he was five. Yeah. He kissed a, a girl. Wow. And then he I looked at porn and I was just like, even at that point, I was like, this is insane. Like you're carrying guilt from like years and years and years ago. You didn't even know me but you feel like you've wronged me. Like there's something wrong with this picture. Uh, yeah, I would say. <laughs> and so that was like what was put on a lot of boys. I know like not all, but that was like, at least how he took it. And um, and then on my side, it felt like don't have impure thoughts, but don't make anybody else have impure thoughts. And everything you're wearing from like shirt, shoes, anything could mess this whole thing up even if you don't know you're doing it or are trying to do it so it's like mm -hmm. it is very confusing and very guilt-inducing yeah that's what I found too it was it's just because you don't know at any given time if you're causing someone to stumble and then yeah. it's always it ends up being your fault at the end of the day if so for example there say there is you know sexual stuff outside of marriage or whatever that ends up being, I found, turned back on the woman because it's like, well, what did she do? She led you astray. Right. She seduced you, you know? And then, you know, the, the, I found anyway, the, the men get to sort of have, get to be forgiven for that and right. sort of blame they it on. a moment of weakness or something. Yeah. Moment of weakness. Mm -hmm. And um, then they get to use it in their, um, in their stories later when they're trying to get people That's back funny. into the church. Yeah. yeah. With their heroin stories. Like, oh, I, you know, slept with these women. I found that was usually the thing. The men kind of were allowed to transgress, but women, once you were deemed impure, you couldn't go back, which is super harmful, especially for women. If anyone has been sexually assaulted or, um, yes, not that, not that anyone should be made to feel that way, but especially if someone's been abused, it makes abuse mm. victims feel just like trash and it's terrible um, well and it kind of perpetuates that whole cycle as well because um you know once you're married this cycle doesn't change that much mm -hmm. because it's like uh if your husband stumbles let's say he cheats on you or let's say he abuses you sexually or any other way or let's say he um you know has a porn addiction um if he 
says he's sorry and is working on it, there's really no avenue for you to do anything else. And even if he doesn't, like a lot of times it's just like pray for your husband, be there for your husband. Um, you know, you need to stay faithful, even if your husband is, you know, messing up in all these ways. So it like, it goes all the way through your life. It can to where you feel mm-hmm. like if my husband is cheating on me, it's probably because I didn't do enough for him, yeah. you know, because yeah. you go from being the stumbling block to being like, if everything is hinging on what the woman does, then if he does something wrong, that's still your fault. Yeah. And like so, you didn't take care of his needs enough sexually either. You have to be available at all times because that's your job as right. quote the wife. Um, I've heard that one. I, a thing that I was told too, when I got married was like, so he has been saving himself and that is so hard for a man. So like the first couple of years of your marriage are going to be really rough because he's going to want to like essentially get all that sexual frustration out. And, um, and this is just what I was told. This is not wow. at all how it went, but um, I was told that multiple times, like he's gonna have all this sexual energy that he's been saving. And so you just need to say yes. Like it mm-hmm. is kind of your job at this point to like, you know, like almost reward that, that yeah. he's been waiting. Oh, and so that's tough. Cause you just go into a, a marriage just thinking like, it's my job to take whatever I get. Yeah. Right. And that's like just part of it. And you're probably not going to like it. And it's going to be like 3 a.m., whatever he wants. Just say yes. That's that's the job right now, because he did a good job waiting. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's wild. I know so many marriages that had had problems, obviously, because of all this. You know, they save themselves for marriage. They have no idea what they're going to be like together sexually. And then they have all these people in the church telling them different things and they don't have a lot of experience. And so they get into this marriage and it's just awkward and hard and they both have different ideas of how it's supposed to be and it's it can be so hard and damaging and they're sold this lie that once you get married you know because that's god's design everything's going to be wonderful and it's it's going to be perfect and and everything you could possibly want but then people find themselves completely incompatible which i've seen before because how would you how would you know you know right right um yeah no it's it's super it's it's really harmful. And I'm thinking back now, I remember the idea being sold to me also as a really young, young lady before. And I was super awkward and gawky too. So I had no, you know, I had no real idea of what we were even talking about, but I was like, yeah, okay. And I think when I was like 11 or 12, I was at a small group where it was just girls and there wasn't a ring, but there was a contract, a purity contract. Oh, yes. Yeah. So yes. I had to sign... Yeah, sign essentially my genitalia away to my future husband and God. Um, Ooh, wow. Which, um, yes. Did you ever have to maybe like write a letter to your future husband? Was that kind of part of it? I don't remember. I don't think it was specifically a letter. It was just like this declaration that like, right. I will stay pure. And yes. I think it's really funny just as an aside, because Christians like to make fun of like Scientologists for having this billion year contract that they make people sign and it does sound really goofy and it is it is really weird but then <laughs> I they're having oh really oh yeah scientology <laughs> is is they're gonna find me and sue me even though <laughs> even though i'm apparently they do that they like find anyone that talks bad about them but um it's really it's fascinating and super bizarre but they have their um members sign these quote billion year contracts and i remember growing up friends and family kind of making fun of these other cults saying like oh that's so weird that's so bizarre how could you be a part of that but it's like here we are in christianity and evangelicalism making girls sign away you know their you know their their future future sexual activity to someone that may or may not exist oh and god of course of course well and it's it is crazy like what what we're talking about signing away our genitalia I didn't even really know that much about sex I know you know like I wasn't watching movies with sex I wasn't uh talking about it with my friends it was just I was like going to school and playing volleyball and that's pretty (laughs) I didn't have a boyfriend I was so awkward and so yeah because I remember at a purity rally them having us like write a letter to our future spouse and um just like like what you're saying like making promises and just like praying for them and hoping that they're staying pure also for mm. me. Um, 
and just like not even really knowing what we're talking about it's so weird um yeah it's definitely like people who know about sex trying to push these ideas on people that do not know about sex which is worse because if you know yeah. what you're talking about you're talking to these young you know young kids that don't it's just I hate it <laughs> I hate everything about yeah. it it's terrible it's kind of like when they used to tell me to say no to drugs and I was like I totally will if I ever hear of them exactly <laughs> I remember that feeling too I go to Christian school and go to church on Mondays or Sundays and Wednesdays and I'm on the worship team and I'm all these things like how am I even going to ever find a drug but at least I'll know what to do I'll say no and it's yeah so funny oh it is like I remember that feeling too like just not even really knowing what we were talking about and not really wanting to know because I don't know about you but even as we got older into high school they made it sound terrifying they made it sound absolutely awful I do remember one time I think I was like in grade 10. Um, They took the girls into a room and took the guys into a room. I don't know what they said to the guys, probably at anti-masturbation accountability (laughs) something, which is usually how it went for them. (laughs) But um, it was, yeah, it was a husband and a wife duo. And so the wife took us into a room and basically explained to us, so um, your first sexual experience is going to be terrible. It's very, very, very painful. And you think you're okay because you wear tampons, but guess what? You're not, you're not okay. And why would you want to share that with anyone other than your future husband? What? Yeah. I'm like, why indeed? And so I was like, okay, that no, no, sounds I could make awful. the argument that maybe you want to like, have that be like a throwaway experience and only have good experiences with your husband, but I don't know. Yeah. And later on, that was, that was my philosophy later on <laughs> that I had too many throwaway experiences, but I remember <laughs> thinking that sounds just terrible. Get that out of the way. Um, but as an, as a result, like this is super personal. I didn't even wear tampons till I was in my twenties. Cause I was horrified by any, like I, I couldn't, it, it really affects, affects you. True story though, in my youth group, amongst some of the girls, we did have conversations about whether or not tampons take away your virginity. And I, um, I did wear them. That was my choice, but I had like full conversations with girls who were like, no, nothing goes up there until my husband. Oh God. And that includes a tampon. And I don't know. It's just so bizarre because then after you marry him, is a tampon cheating on him? <laughs> and like, I don't know. There's only if it's an extra absorbent one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, I mean, the whole thing too is kind of just like draw a circle around those parts. Don't touch them. Don't think about them. Don't look at them. Don't even take like care of them. Yeah. Is she going to go get like yearly checkups or is that also not okay? That's you know, it's yeah. like, taking care of your body. Cause I remember a woman saying to me one time, like an older woman, she's so cool. She was like this older hippie woman, definitely not in the church. Um, but she was asking me about masturbating and she was like, girl, there's no way you're ever going to have a good sexual relationship. If you are not even aware of your own body and your own desires and like what makes you happy. And I was like, mm-hmm. mind blown. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was at like tw- 20 over 20 when I had this conversation with yeah. her and she was just, she was like, no, you need to go home and like do some work because do some work. Yeah. She was like, I mean, and I'm not saying that everybody should go masturbate, but what I'm saying is like, I think that it is a little scary to just like not want to talk about any private parts of your body mm-hmm. or um, just kind of ignore them Yeah. until all of a sudden one day you allow someone to just like have as much sex with you as they want because they've been waiting. It's. Oh Yeah. It's so weird. It just wrecks havoc on your, or wreaks havoc, wrecks havoc. I don't know, causes havoc to your, <laughs> your whole boundary system. And mm-hmm. just like I said earlier, just like who you are as a person, you get completely cut off, you know, from yourself. And I remember, I remember also going to, to weddings, like Christian couple weddings, you know, between like 19 year olds and thinking like that poor, <laughs> that poor girl, does she know? Does she know what's about to happen to her after this? And yeah. like, uh, yeah. It's such a joke. Like, it really I, is. I remember at my first wedding, um, my first wedding, I remember when I got married, uh, 
them, you know, it's just so awkward because we like left together and everyone was like, bye, see you later. Have so much fun on your honeymoon. And I'm like in the hotel with this guy and we, we had like great communication around this. It was, I think a unicorn, but I remember just sitting there with him and saying like, isn't it bizarre that yesterday you and I were basically not allowed in a room together alone. And now all of our family and friends assume that we are in here doing everything and they're just so stoked about it. Mm-hmm. And like the only thing that happened was a little ceremony and my dad walking me down the aisle and like, but it, I don't know, it just didn't feel different, you know? Yeah. And I was very shocked. I thought it was going to be, well, two things I haven't, I thought it was going to be like way different and way bigger of a deal because mm-hmm. there was so much build up to it. And in my head, I had just kind of thought that sex was like everything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about it so much and how important it was to stay pure and how like anything you do sexually is like a sin against God and your own body and your husband. Um, but then when we got married, I was like, oh, we're actually just like two people that live together and like have a life. Like it isn't just like all about sex all the time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, nor should it be. Yeah, of course not. And now as like a normal adult, that makes way more sense to me. But we just spent so much time talking and thinking about sex and how to do it right and how to like avoid it. Mm -hmm. That it was very confusing to me when it wasn't as big of a deal as I thought it would be. Yeah. Does that make sense? I didn't change that much as a person. It wasn't like earth shattering. Mm. I don't know. It was so weird. I was like, this is almost a non-event. Yeah. I mean, it's like fun and great. And I enjoyed doing it with my husband. It was awesome. But I, I was like, is this what the fuss has been about for all these years? Yeah. It's, it's, it's weird. And then it makes you question your own experience and I find in your own, your own sanity as well. And, um, yeah. And I find, I I keep going back to people that have been abused. So if you're, you know, if you're in a situation where, like you were saying, you're not in touch with your own body at all, like you're completely cut off and then somebody violates you. First of all, you may not even know that that's a violation because people take advantage of that in the church, leaders of the church. I'm not saying every church. I'm saying that it does happen though. It puts women, and I, I know it happens to men too, but um, I think especially just the things I've heard, women especially, it puts them in a situation where it's very easy to take advantage of them. And, you know, if they're told or if we're told, oh, it's God's will and it's okay for me to do this and or whatever. And then later they they probably feel all this guilt and shame because somebody, you know, they've been they realize they've been violated and now what yeah. do they have for their future husband and all these terrible like object lessons that they do in youth group with like dirty water have you did you experience yeah. that um similar things these are like the skits from the purity rallies right mm-hmm. where they're saying like once the water gets dirty how do you get it clean again that kind of thing yeah or there's there's poop in this brownie do you want to eat this brownie now? That's one I heard. I didn't actually experience that, but that was one of the more bizarre ones that I've heard about. I remember, like, I've been trying to remember what the skit was actually about. Because all I remember is them pulling a band-aid off and saying, a bloody pussy band-aid, which I'm sorry, it's so disgusting. Oh God. It has been like etched into my brain. And I just remember them like licking it. And it was like the most disgusting thing ever. Obviously it was all fake because it was a skit, but it was at a purity rally and I'm trying to remember like actually what their hook was, like how they brought that around. But were you in the skit? Um, I was not in the skit. I was okay. watching it and I was horrified. Oh God. But I can't really remember like how they tied it in, but it was gross. And Probably something to, to the effect of, would you use this band aid? Would you yeah. reuse this? <sighs> it has awful. to be. I think it must've been about reuse. Yeah. I don't know. It is but terrible. It's like, it's stuck in my head and it's like the dirty water thing, I'm sure. Yeah, I remember the dirty water. There was also one I remember specifically. It was like we had these little hearts made of construction paper and we'd glue them on other hearts, like another, another color of a heart. And then whoever was leading this thing would be like, okay, so now pull them apart after the, after the glue's dried. And of course there's like little bits of paper on each of them. And they're like, that's your heart. 
that's your heart after you've given your virginity away. And then it keeps happening over and over again until you don't have anything left. And it's like, just to reduce somebody to whether or not they choose to share a sexual experience with somebody else, like Mm -hmm. to reduce them to that and make their, their worth as a person hinge on that with these terrible object lessons, like, um, a way that it was explained to me too, that actually really, really scared me was that every time you have sex with a person, it's like you put a telephone line up between you and them and you're like forever connected. And, um, that, that telephone line does not go away. So they were like, think about a prostitute who has these lines, like, to people just all over the country and they just can't sleep at night because they are having a constant emotional connection with people, um, you know, that are whatever, if they're having a hard time or like she is feeling all of that because she has had sex with the, all these people, which was told to me by someone who had been married to one person his whole life and had never had sex with anybody else and was being told to people who were very young it was like my classmates and me at a small Christian school, we were all young and most of us had not had sex. So like, we just take that as like the gospel truth. And so that's like very terrifying. Horrifying. Yeah. Like you won't be able to sleep at night because, and the way that he like linked it in, he was like, you know, this happens all the time. Like a wife will be at home and her husband will go away to battle and when he dies, she like wakes up in the middle of the night because she knows he's gone. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the telephone line. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Did he have any like, did he try to back this up with a Bible verse or anything like that even? No. No, no. he just just went with it. Of course. He just really went with it. Um, but that's one that's always stuck with me as well because I remember saying that to, to a friend of mine um, who had left the church and was seeing people and I was like you just really need to be careful because you're going to be connected to all of those people and she was like what <laughs> what the are you telephone. talking about the telephone lines man <laughs> yeah I was like, do you not know about the telephone lines? <laughs> oh my god oh it just goes to show anyone can say anything I wow yeah I'm like trying well, to even the scary thing is like back to what you were talking about about abuse um Abuse in relationships is also, uh, I'm not saying that it happens all the time, but it, it's like a ripe situation for that as well, yeah. because you're basically telling the male part of this relationship, just wait, 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 and then do whatever you want once you're together with this person. And you're telling the female part, um, wait, 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 and then take whatever you get. But there's not a lot of like, like education around like what's normal or healthy or anything like that. It's like, once you get in there, it's the wild west. It's just the two of you. And um, if something negative is happening, there's not a lot of like help. Is this normal? Is this okay? It's like, you know, like if you are being abused, it could be like years and years and years before you even knew it. Mm -hmm. If ever, you know, you could just think that the way that you're being treated is normal and you just don't like it. And that's normal. And you're just supposed to do the wifely duties. Yeah. And then people completely discount their own feelings of like, this feels icky. This doesn't feel right. Any intuition you have, because by the way, your heart's still deceitful. I know Mm -hmm. we think we talked about that in one of the episodes. So it's just this complete distrust of yourself and just giving yourself completely away to this idea and this other person. And yeah, it's just absolutely horrifying, really. Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of sad stories about that, you know, of like women who got into a marriage and then their husbands wanted them to do a lot of sexual things that they weren't comfortable with, like bringing in extra people and like doing all this, you know, stuff that is totally fine if you're consensual, but if you're not into it, then you're not into it. And they Mm -hmm. just thought, you know, I have to do these things. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like five years later, they're like, mention it to someone else. And they're like, what? Is that what you're going through? Like, you know, you don't have to go through that. That's like actually not okay for someone to force you to have sex with someone you don't want to have sex with. Yeah, no. That kind of thing, like. Yeah, they'll they'll argue that like sexual assault is not a thing in a marriage at all. Mm-hmm. And so you can be forced at any time. I'd actually heard, I can't remember who this was from. It was this super duper 
right-wing lady that doles out advice for some reason. And somebody was writing in this woman saying like, hey, I just, oh no, was it? Oh my God, was it focus on the family? Oh no. I can't remember. I'm getting them. There's there's one, What there's a woman transformed wife. That's what, that's what her thing is, I think. She mm-hmm. says all sorts of, all sorts of nonsense. And then um, I thought this might've been focused on the family. Um, don't come for me if I'm wrong, <laughs> but um, there was a woman writing in um, for advice saying like, I just gave birth. My husband wants to have sex, but I, you know, still healing and not up to it. Basically, what do I do? And so the advice was just have a Red Bull and let it happen because he's your husband and you got to, you got to be there open for business all the time. Doesn't matter that you just popped out a human being. (laughs) It gives me like rage chills all over my body. It really does. I mean, it makes me so upset just to hear that because it's not, that's not an isolated, you know, you're saying exactly. it's probably from that person. That doesn't matter. It's from so many people. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't say no ever. Because yeah. I've even seen things that are like, um, you know, I can't have sex with my husband right now or I don't, I don't want to um, because I've just had birth or like had a baby. Should I allow him to go see other women? And it's like, what? No, like not if you're not comfortable with that. Like, like he can wait a couple of months. I don't know. Also, didn't he wait like 19 years before he got married? Like, come on. Yeah, (laughs) which is why he never has to wait a single second ever again. Oh my god. I don't. uh, It's yeah. That's why I feel like it doesn't even matter that I can't remember the source for that because there's (laughs) so many. It's bad that I can't. That should stand out. That should be an anomaly, but it's not. It's it's everywhere. Oh, yeah, I've I've definitely heard that kind of rhetoric a lot, um, which is so interesting that it's like there's so much pressure that is put on women mm-hmm. in those scenarios. Like you have to make sure that you're dressing right, but also dressing sexy enough for your husband once you're married, but not so sexy that someone other than your husband will find you super sexy because that would not be okay. But you want to keep your husband happy and attracted. Right, because if he's not happy and attracted, then he it's okay for him. He gets forgiven for cheating on you, basically, because you don't look hot all the time, but not too hot because, you know, you got to really toe that line as a wife. (laughs) It's pretty tricky. It's pretty tricky. And I mean, I'm laughing about it, but it's not the other. Yeah, I don't know. The purity thing stays with you for a really long time, too, because I am no longer married. for that in that first like religious sort of context but then like coming out of that feels so weird because Mm -hmm. I was like not a Christian anymore and don't really believe in those things but also not not experienced aside from you know that one relationship essentially and it's just like a very strange world Mm -hmm. um because you just don't I don't know I just didn't feel very in control or very, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't even really know what I'm trying to say here, but those things just stuck with me a lot of like, should I be feeling guilty about this? Like, do, is it okay to have sex with someone if I want to date them? Is it okay to have sex with someone if I don't want to date them? How do I go about this? Like, um, Mm -hmm. what what is my fault? What isn't my fault? If I flirt with somebody, does that mean that I need to have sex with them now? You know, in like a non-Christian context, because I hadn't ever done anything in a non-Christian context, and I, but I had all those Christian hang-ups. Yeah, because you're not equipped at all to deal with anything outside of, of what the church gives you. Mm. Um, I found one of the things that really stuck with me more than anything else was the fear of being pregnant, which is funny because yeah. I'm pregnant now. <laughs> but absolutely, I remember, I remember knowing that like early on, the whole sex before marriage thing, I remember thinking that's not really in the Bible. They talk a lot about adultery, which is funny because then you hear like middle school kids like apologizing for committing adultery in their hearts. And it's like, you're 12. Like, what are you, what are you talking about? And I remember like looking at these Bible verses thinking like, mm, it's not really in here. And so I, remember I, um, I had like a serious, more serious than it should have been relationship when I was like, you know, 18, 19. And um, I remember everyone going on about the purity and they, they loved the purity movement. And there was this like Rebecca St. James song that everybody used to sing about 
I can't remember what it was called, something about waiting for your spouse. They were also into it. I remember thinking like, this isn't really in the Bible, but okay, I can't go against it because everyone's so into it and yeah. they'll hate me if I ever say anything about it. So I remember thinking like, goal number one, don't get pregnant because if you do, um, everyone's going to know you sinned. You can't do anything about it because right. you're in conservative Christian, you know, that's considered murder. Yeah. And, and then, and the, the male counterpart can leave if he wants to and, and apologize right. to God and start a new life. But you as the woman, if you get pregnant. So I remember just mm-hmm. irrationally thinking I was pregnant, like all the time. It was crazy. Like I was a fairly smart gal, I think. But I remember going to um, study in Spain for a while. And I was like, I was like 20 at this point. And I remember thinking, like being afraid I could get pregnant from a bathroom. And I was like, my significant other is going to think I'm cheating on him and all this stuff. And he's not going to believe me. And I'm going to get pregnant. For, like, what? That's that's bananas. Like who, you know, I knew better and I know I, re- I did know better, but I was so afraid of, of these people thinking I was, you know, a hussy or whatever. <laughs> like, I just, it's embarrassing to, like, to, to, to sit, talk about it, but I feel like I have to, because I know that other people have gone through the same thing, but. No, it, it's not that bananas, I feel like, because I have friends that were so worried about being pregnant, but so in love with a person that they would like try, they would do all the things aside from actual vaginal intercourse. Mm-hmm. so that they could have a good time with their partner and you know yeah like have very natural evolving relationships but not get pregnant because the fear of pregnancy ended up being way worse than the fear of um like losing virginity or any of those kinds of things mm-hmm. um, yeah but I remember that's the, the one that people are going to know about like what would their dad yeah, think exactly. he gave them a purity ring yeah I remember thinking though that 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 might not even make you safe. Like, I was like, it, it can travel. Like, I don't like, because you're not given any kind of like education. Right. And I, I knew it could. And I think there was a part of me that was rational and it did have the public school education. I knew, but there's the, the fear is just runs so deep. Yeah. Um, I thought people might be able to like, look at me and tell if I had yeah. been doing sexual sins. I remember my boyfriend at the time asking like, oh, we should probably go for prayer because we were part of this like group that were very involved in every aspect of your life. Um, mm-hmm. I remember thinking like, I don't want these people knowing anything about me personally. Like that feels so violating to have to go to like Derek and Brenda, the youth pastors for pr- like, I didn't know anyone with those names. So <laughs> I'm not calling anyone specifically out, but like, but it was just saying- so weird. The thing that's not shocking to me about that story is that he thought it was a good idea to go to that meeting and talk about it. And you didn't because the stigma is not going to lay with him. It's going to lay with you. So of course you're the one that's like, not that excited about it. Cause you're the one that's going to be the hussy. (laughs) He's going to be like, he's going to be like the good, like, um, humbled person that like can't help himself. Cause the feeling has always to me been that men have needs and like the best they can do is just hold on and like try really hard to like control them until they're married. At which point the werewolf comes out and they just do whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like a whole different person. It feels like, and then, but no one ever really talked that much about women having needs. No, that was never talked about. Or women being like sexual. It was always more about them being like, um, like flaunting, like more Jezebelly, like wanting the attention maybe, but it was never about like just enjoying sex for a woman or. Yeah. Yeah. No. I think it was a pleasurable experience. It was sort of assumed like they would say, oh, once you're with your, your husband, and this is where the homophobia comes in too, because like they would never, it would never have crossed their mind that it could be valid that a woman might not want a husband or maybe she just maybe she doesn't end up getting married and wonders like, did I mess up because God didn't give me a husband to like, you know, do these things with. Um, but yeah, like the, the homophobia, I think definitely comes into that too, because like, Absolutely. if they don't fall into that, that mold, then it's like, 
then there's something extra and above wrong, you know? Um, so I can't even imagine like that wasn't my experience personally, but like for someone in the LGBTQIA community, I can't imagine how much worse it would, it would be. Um, yeah it stays with you it definitely stays with you for sure yeah with the lgbtq thing it would be really interesting to hear from someone who went to a purity rally because those are obviously so tailored towards heterosexual relationships Mm -hmm. you know like women don't wear this because men Mm -hmm. and men make sure that you have accountability because women Mm -hmm. but there's no like I don't remember ever hearing anything about like if you're having feelings towards same-sex people or any any of that. I remember a youth pastor once saying, if you're having thoughts, if you're having same-sex attraction, stay after for prayer. I do remember that. And oh, that's awful. It's really terrible. And I remember thinking, oh, I guess that some people struggle with that. You know, like I had no idea that that's a valid, <laughs> like that's a valid way for someone to be, but in this culture they're demonizing it um it didn't occur to me how awful that was at the time obviously but um I do remember that yeah the constant calling out is so tough you know if you're having impure thoughts we're gonna have an altar call um if you're having impure thoughts we're gonna have an altar call if you're having same-sex attraction you need to stay after um these are like all things that people can see Mm -hmm. you know like everybody knows that you stayed after yeah And so you're just, you're always caught between a rock and a hard place. And you're trying to like negotiate in your head. You're like, do I raise my hand, you know, to look like humble and um, all these things, or should I not raise my hand because I actually don't struggle with this, but maybe Mm -hmm. I actually do. And I just don't know. Yeah. I remember Um, erring on the side of trying to fly under the radar with those because I was, I was really self-conscious and I just didn't want anyone to know. I think I didn't want anyone to know what was really going on with me because what was really going on was I was having all sorts of doubts about all this stuff, but I didn't want to bring attention to that. So I really tried to kind of hold my cards close. Um, And I remember I would sort of err on the side of not participating when I could get Mm -hmm. away with it, um, which wasn't always looked upon kindly. But I tried to like do just enough to get by kind of a thing was essentially how I played it. Did they ever have those altar calls though, where everybody stood up and if you didn't stand up, you felt like a bad person? I remember that. Yeah. I think we talked about this last time you were saying that it, they would have a few different tiers of yes. when they would call people down. Like the if the sermon sure. spoke to you, <clears throat> if you've done something you're not proud of this week, I do if remember that. If murdered those. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If you have two feet and a heartbeat, you better get down here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe I've just been through so many altar calls in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tough. I hope I never go to another altar call. I might walk out. <laughs> I would do. I would just, definitely walk out. I feel like I've done my share of them. Oh, goodness gracious. Yeah. But it's a, it's an interesting conundrum, right? Because um. I don't know. My, my kids are very small, mm-hmm. but it's like going forward, having them, but being a person that comes from this purity culture, I feel like I'm already like so fierce about some of these things. Like yeah. what my kid wears, like I want her to wear things that she feels awesome in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want her to have to put on clothes in the morning and think about other people. I want her to look in the mirror and be like, I feel awesome. And then go with it. Yeah, And I don't want to measure things from her knees or, you know, any of those things. Like if we, if we need to have conversations, you know, of course we will. And I want her to be safe and smart, but at the same time, like, I want her to be able to be her whole self in as many ways as she can and just be a safe person, you know? Yeah, of course. And that's what I would want with my child and or children as well it's like I never want them to suffer on a summer day because they're not allowed to wear a bathing suit um or I remember that growing up at our camp you you came to that you came to the camp before but there used to be very strict rules about swimming on Sundays and um two-piece bathing suits and all that stuff so I remember thinking like it's sweltering it's 80 degrees and we can't do anything about it but then also at the camp I worked at um well, it was very strict about what women could 
wear and not wear. Like we had our shorts had to be a certain length. We couldn't wear uh, spaghetti straps. That was frowned upon. And this was like, again, I was probably like 20 at this, at this point. Like I was a grown, you know, for the most part, grown lady still being told how to dress. Um, And it is like inherently there's something wrong with your body, which is counterintuitive to what I would think would be Christianity, which is God made that body. Mm -hmm. You know, so what, what could be wrong with it? But yeah, yeah, if you show it, you are uh, betraying God and your dad and your future husband and your own self. Well, because your body's only for those. It's only for dad, God, future (laughs) spouse, which for the, so for the men, did, was their body, was that their moms or did they just not have, (laughs) I didn't even question that. I don't think they had the same thing. I mean, it was gods, I guess. Right. And maybe their wives, unless their wives not hot anymore, they can go find someone else. Um, but I don't, it wasn't the same like parental ownership over the men's bodies. I don't think unless I'm not remembering correctly. No, not at all. I mean, not very many boys got purity rings either. No, that's true. I mean, I, I know like a handful, but for the most part, it was like, that was a girl thing. I don't, uh, the the differences between the boys and girls was just always very stark, I thought. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say that the boys had it easy necessarily either because they had a whole other string of things. Um, Absolutely. To do and with. like I said, you know, still very traumatizing sometimes, like it was with my, my boyfriend that was not in a good place mm. with his uh, five-year-old kisses. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No kidding, eh? That's them having him dig into his entire life to look for sin. Like imagine that the time and the energy and just like another, you know, thinking about my future kid as well. It's like, I don't want them to ever spend that time and that energy on the guilt and the shame and dredging things up and, you know, being reduced to it just, I just can't even imagine. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Puts it into perspective when you're thinking about, I know we've talked about this before, but like your own, your own kids and moving forward and the kind of life that you'd like to, not the the life that you want to impose on them, but like just the kind of person you want them to have the freedom to be, you know, it just really makes you think about that. Well, and something interesting too, is like, I went to those purity rallies and I don't, I never came home and like had that conversation with my parents after, you know, Hmm. like, please talk me through this. Why is this like this? You know, why are boys treated like this? Why do boys have these, you know, I did not have that relationship with my parents or we could have those like open, healthy conversations. Me neither. And so I think my goal going forward is going to be that my kid gets more conversations with me Mm -hmm. and less from other people whose care she is under, you know, like the church and- all those random women we're talking about, you know, who'd you say, Deborah and Dirk or whoever that pulled you? <laughs> Derek, Derek and Brenda, the Derek youth pastor Brenda, couple. Yeah. 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 Pulling like, your kids yeah. into a room. Those telephone lines. You got to watch those telephone lines. Them. That like, was a imagine? history feature too, by the way. Just my oh, history God. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, so my, my hope is that if someone tells that to my daughter, is like, there's telephone lines that she immediately comes straight home and goes, what's the deal with the telephone lines? Yeah, exactly. Like, ah, good one. Let's talk about how that's not a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk, not even remotely. Like, oh, it's funny that the church, someone in the church is talking essentially about a psychic connection between, like, you'd think that would be like witchcraft or something. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Psychic <sighs> connection basically is, is exactly what it was. And if they have a fight with their partner in Oregon and you live in Texas, that doesn't matter. You feel all of that anger and angst. You don't even know why. You're just awake at 3 a.m. crying. (laughs) That was your history teacher. Yeah. Okay. My history teacher. How in the world did that come up during world history? I have no idea. Just wondering. I was about to ask that. (laughs) And so those are just some of the ones that stick out in my brain. But imagine all of the all of the like constant messaging that must have come through that I just don't even remember. Yeah. You know, like all day, every day, constant messaging, like subliminal or otherwise. For sure. Insane. No wonder it's hard to like reprogram your brain after yeah. all of that. 
Oh yeah. It's the tip of the iceberg. And that's why I, I really am glad that we're getting into this stuff because like what I've found helped is, is to listen to other people's accounts and even just talking to you, it's kind of refreshed my, refreshed my memory as well with some things that I think, like I had said before, when I left, my goal was just to GTFO and yeah. never think about it again. But that's actually really harmful because there's a lot of undoing that needs to happen when you leave you know, yeah. indoctrination systems like this, because um, that's what it is. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really important to talk about it. I actually um, know a woman who grew up in a cult and had no idea until, so her dad is actually the leader of the cult. And when he sent her to college, which he was, this was his undoing, he sent his kids to college. And that's when she started talking to people outside of this cult. And we're like, she was like explaining the way she grew up. And they were like, no, like, that's not, that's not normal. That's not how people grow up. That's not like just regular yeah. Christianity. That's something completely different. And she's like, I quickly realized that I've been raised in a cult. But sometimes it is like, if you don't talk to other people, you might never know that something was weird or mm -hmm. not right. Or you might not realize that if someone does something to you, it's not because of your tank top. Exactly. It's because they are, they have a problem. Yeah. You know? And it's, I hear this all the time now. It's people saying like, don't tell girls to not wear a dress. Tell guys to keep their hands to themselves. Exactly. That's what it needs to be, like just constantly. Yeah, and I would argue that what we grew up with, I might get in trouble again, but <laughs> I would argue that it's called adjacent for that reason because we were, to me, it's not, I think a lot of the Christians will say things like, oh, well, it's Scientology, for example, is a cult because they talk about aliens and you can't leave or whatever. But like I said before, it is very difficult to leave these evangelical systems and you're not given any other ideas or any other ways to think. You're told this is the facts. These are the facts. You got to believe this way. If it's not working, there's something wrong with you. And I really think a lot of the tactics, you know, are cult adjacent because I remember having those feelings going to university, slowly learning like this is how regular people grew up is <laughs> how regular people think it's very yeah. different yeah we'll call it cult light yeah cult light exactly yeah. <laughs> it was like kind of culty um yeah cult light it's mm -hmm. so it is good yeah to hear from other people and understand that some of those things are harmful and shouldn't be happening to you and that's when we can start like unlearning them and saying yeah. oh, I don't have to live like that I don't have to have sex, you know, five days after I give birth if I don't want to. Oh God. <laughs> I actually don't ever have to have sex again if I don't want to. No, like, yeah, do you do you. That's yeah. pretty much it, right? Like, Absolutely. yeah, anyway. Well, I'm really bad at recording the intros and the exits of these. <laughs> That's why I usually just do like an awkward fade out at the end, but um I thank you so much for having this conversation today. I know it's it's really personal stuff and it's it's hard sometimes to put it out there, but I think it's, like I said before, it definitely bears repeating because it is super harmful. And I know that people will benefit from listening to your experiences, Lena, and, and hopefully mine as well. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me.